On today's episode of the Senior Quote Sports Podcast, we talk football and especially the toss-up that is the NFC East and the Baseball World Series as we get Rays and Dodgers this week. And we get into a little bit of Bachelorette talk. Let's go. We're back. Another episode of the Senior Quote Sports Podcast, brought to you as always by the Big Picture Sports Group. I'm your host, Aiden Broderick, joined as always by my co-host, Jack Coleman. Jack, how are you doing tonight? I'm feeling great. We got more sports on the way. We're in the heat of the, I guess, first half of the NFL season right now. Yeah. A lot of fun underway. It's been a good couple weeks of football, and baseball has been stellar as well. I mean, the Dodgers the other night, incredible game, and now we have a prime uh, World Series matchup between the Rays and the Dodgers. I'm excited. I would rather it have been the Dodgers-Yankees, but, you know, it's free baseball. Mm-hmm. We're getting it even when we thought we weren't, and I'm happy to have a World Series this year. Yeah, no more basketball, no more hockey right now. It's just down to two sports, and baseball is filling that void that the NBA Finals ending, you know, left. Uh, we'll get to it. Um, I do have an MLB quote that I'll ask you on later, but... Really excited about the World Series being here. Wish the Yankees were there, like you said, but otherwise we've seen some fantastic games recently. Um, NFL, meanwhile, we've described it. Uh, we've described NFL weekends like this a couple times, and it really happened this week. Weird, just like weird yeah. games. It's been a weird, weird season. I mean, mm-hmm. and we the, expected that. The first you know. that somewhat comes to mind, and I don't know if we'll get to this later in the show, but. Just the pats on the whole. You had a team that was impacted by COVID, right. uh, with Cam Newton having to sit out and move to IR, and or the COVID list, whatever it's called now. Right, right. Um, and they didn't look good this weekend with the, with the whole team coming back off that. So these things are going to happen this year. It's tough to kind of gauge, you know, how this season is going to turn out. Who's going to remain the top of their division? So very weird, very strange. It, a, another example is the Titans too. You have the Titans who were a team that probably was impacted the most by COVID, almost like the Marlins of the NFL, and yet they come back and absolutely obliterate the show. So, very strange, very, very weird weekend yet again, and I'm sure we'll get into it in, in some way. But Yeah, let's, let's get into it now. I'll start with maybe the strangest story of all. Um, not really, but... All right, just tell me who said it, what's it about? The emotion on the sideline was just joy for the players. To see them smile... And to see them rewarded for their hard work, that's really what you play for. You really want to teach someone, and when you see someone carry out what you taught them and have success with it, that's really the reward in our profession. (laughs) Long-winded quote there. Uh, Yeah. Um, I'm just going to say it's Joe Judge about about the Giants. Let's go. Game the first dub. Let's go. First dub on the year. So, yeah, maybe the weirdest story of all from this past weekend, the Giants beat the... uh, Red Wolves football team, the Washington football team, Red Wolves, no, no, do your thing. Washington Red Wolves football team of the D.C. slash DMV area. Gotcha, there you go. So so Giants beat Washington by one point, and honestly, they were about to lose. You know, they had just given up a touchdown to be up by one, and Ron Rivera decides he wants to go for two, try to end the game there in regulation, instead of kicking the extra point that would have made it 20-20, to send it to overtime, uh, Ron Rivera did this a couple times when he coached the Panthers, and um, it would work then. But he doesn't have Cam Newton anymore. He doesn't have McCaffrey. He doesn't have 
really any of those weapons. No. Steve Smith, those kinds Literally of players. None. He has Terry McLaurin, good weapon, but he has Kyle Allen throwing to him. And look, Kyle Allen, decent game against the Giants defense that I thought looked pretty good once again, mm-hmm. but dumb play call uh, on this, dumb call in general maybe to go for two, and ultimately it gave the Giants this very tight win, but a win's a win. How, how are you feeling after after that game? A win's a win, and I haven't had a victory Monday in so long. He, Getting your football team a win on Sunday sets the tone for the entire rest of the week. Mm-hmm. I, f- I feel happy. Anything could happen this weekend. It's like, well, oh, at least the Giants won. So I'm happy we got a win. I'm happy for Daniel Jones to finally get a win this season. I'm happy for Joe Judge to finally get his first head coaching win. It's big stuff. And in a terrible, terrible NFC East where the Cowboys have lost Dak Prescott the football team we just beat, and then the Eagles are all in shambles weird, every other weird. week. Yeah. It's it's a good win and potentially could mean something more. I don't even want to say it because we're just as bad as the other three teams I mentioned. Right. But you never know. Stranger things have happened, and there's been stranger giant seasons in the past uh, where we pulled it off beyond all the odds. This is a little different, but, hey, I think we can maybe – maybe make it to the playoffs. <laughs> I was going to say, this would be strangest of all because yeah. apparently it is mathematically possible to go 4-12 and and win the NFC East and appear in the 2020 playoffs, which is Hell just yeah. ridiculous. But that could be the Giants. I mean, maximum I will... Maximum effort. It's, it's, yeah. it's Newton's law of maximum effort. Joe Judge... You ate and skate. That's it. <laughs> I think Joe Judge's... Or the Giants' win really showed the kind of culture that Joe Judge has you know created and instated in this uh, Giants locker room. But what I'm most impressed by, and what I'm going to say on record here, I think the Giants' defense is the best defense in the NFC East right now and is honestly like a top-10 unit in the league, but I can't even pinpoint why that is. I mean, James Bradbury has been terrific. He just shadows teams' number one wide receivers like last week against the Cowboys. Yes, Dak Prescott got hurt midway through the game, but Amari Cooper was held to one catch for eight yards. So if we have a corner... Who can be doing that? I mean, Terry had, uh, Terry McLaurin had about 70 yards against the Giants, which is a great game, but by his standards, honestly, maybe one of his lowest yardage totals all season. So when you have a guy like that, and the Giants have not had a guy like that in who knows how long, maybe (laughs) since like Corey Webster, like I don't really know. Um, That's huge. That's such a difference maker. And when, you know, we're getting a bit of a pass rush from Leonard Williams, who would have thought? And Marcus Golden's back on the team. Like, these are the names that, you know, you didn't expect to be difference makers on another team maybe. But with us, when they're playing at their best, they can be that guy. And that's what this defense has become. So with a defense like that, I mean, yes, I'm getting excited about us holding the Redskins under 20 points. Oh, the R words. Uh, But at the same time, you know, that's something big at this point is that the Giants have continued to be a top 10 defense. And do you think we can take that to something bigger? I think the defense is big, but stuff needs to start clicking on offense. I like the play we've been getting out of Devontae Freeman. I think it's a big step in for Saquon. Something needs to click for Daniel Jones. I, That's true. He That's has so flashes true. of a franchise quarterback, of what you want to see on the run, on the pass. It doesn't matter. He can get it done. But then there's also these flashes of arguably the worst quarterback in the NFC East when the rest of the quarterback class there is is not looking too great either, mm. uh, especially with Dak being out right now. So I'm torn. I think we need to see another NFC game, yeah, yeah. especially with the current setup of the rest of the NFC. I'd like to see us play the Eagles. I think we are 
two beaten down, destroyed teams that <laughs> it's going to be the grossest game ever, but it'll be a bloodbath for sure. Um, so I'm very excited to see that game next week on a Thursday night. Too. I was about Come to say, on, let's you're, go. You're not going to have to wait long. It's it, three days away. Twitter's uh, going to be blown up by how many awful plays and passes there will be in this game because there will be. It's a Thursday night game. They're used to it. Or, I, mean. <laughs> um, I don't know what you would really call this, but yeah. it's basically like PEMDAS for bad teams where they're Ooh. both so bad that it ends up being a great game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think that could potentially be this Thursday night we game. We just had that. Like, was it Jaguars? Yes, it was Jaguars. That's who I was thinking of, but Jaguars, Texans, someone else. Texans, maybe? Maybe Texans pre Bill O'Brien firing himself. Or maybe the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it was Jaguars, Colts, but the Colts, I think, qualify no, as a good No, the Colts team. were too good, so I, it may have but been. But actually, the Colts are the team that lost the Jaguars this yes. year. Yes. Which is so weird. But, but it I wasn't think this that was game. a game going in where everyone Texans. was like, this is garbage. Yep. Unless it, would, it had no, something it was. to do with the Browns? No, I think it was Jaguars-Texans. I'm pretty sure that, that makes was, sense. Yeah. I think it was a Thursday It was in too. the division, Thursday yeah. night. So That division's always on Thursday night. I think night. that will happen this Thursday, right. Eagles-Giants. I'm I think okay it's going to be absolutely disgusting, but in a good way, where we end up getting some awesome play out of it. Yeah. I, I think it could end up being kind of beneficial. So Yeah, I have two more quick points from this. Uh, of course, we have to talk about our Giants. Um, one, Andrew Thomas didn't start uh, at left tackle this game. Mm-hmm. Apparently, it was for missing a team meeting. But I was curious, is there more to this? Because Matt Peart, I believe, it's not per- or maybe it's Pert. It's been a weird name. I, it doesn't look like Pert because there's an A, mm-hmm. but I think it is. We'll go, we'll go with Matt Pert. Um, Matt Pert, if you're listening, let us know if it's wrong. <laughs> uh, so he filled in at left tackle. He was our third or fourth round pick out of UConn. And he actually ended up playing, I think, three more total snaps than mm-hmm. Thomas did. And he looked decent. I mean, I'm not going to say he looked crazy. I don't think he looked like a first-round pick, but he wasn't a first-round pick. He was a guy who was brought in as a backup that might become a starter somewhere, maybe at right tackle. No, we put him at left tackle, play the blind side, and he looked possibly better than the guy that Dave Gettleman spent the fourth overall pick on. So before we rant about Gettleman, because that was my other point, mm-hmm. what do we think here with Andrew Thomas? Like, So yeah. I actually think that a, a couple things here. Firstly... I think that this is Joe Judge showing some flashes of having been coached uh, or coaching alongside Bill Belichick. I think that if he notices that another guy can potentially fill that role, fill that void, and perform, then he looks like a genius either way. And that's kind of what happened there. And so I think going forward, we may start to see different things like this come about. Number two, um, I think that it's a problem when Thomas gets or it doesn't start or whatever, and it's because of this reason, first of all, we need to be uh, made known of what that reason is right off the bat as fans because, and this kind of leads into Gettleman. I was reading something in The Athletic today about hot seats and everything, and Gettleman was one of them. And basically, if your draft pick is not starting and everyone thinks it's because of his recent play, then something needs to be fixed. So, yes, it was because of this issue, in theory. Right. Um, and hopefully it just was. But if the fans are saying he was probably pulled because of his play, then that's not good, and the guy making these decisions needs to be fired. Yeah. And I'm sure we're going right into Gettleman here. Yeah, so, so I was going to say, like, leading into this point by using Andrew Thomas's benching, mm-hmm. which, again, I agree with you. I think Joe Judge, he's trying to look smart. He's trying to, you know, find that right player and be the mastermind. But he also reminds me of like Jeff Hathley almost, where he's keeping that culture as a number one thing as a coach, where it's like, you missed one team meeting, you're not starting this game. It's like college, I where you get held that. out for a quarter or something. It's like, this is the pros, but 
we you still have to do that. You know, I don't care that you're making money now. I don't care that you're especially the if it's a rookie. Pick. Especially yeah. if it's a rookie. So if it had something to do uh, with Golden Tate, even like true. that, even could be a little more understandable. Uh, coming off such a heated weekend for him, but with Thomas, he, he's fresh out of college. You know, these are the guys that are supposed to be hungry and wanting to be at these meetings. The first one in, first one out, or last one out, excuse exactly. me. So, yeah, I completely agree if that's the take. I think Judge is setting yeah. a complete culture change. I love it. I think that the only problem with it is if this win didn't come, how long would that locker room have rallied behind him and, and stayed true. ingrained with this culture change? Because if you're not winning and you're still getting all these annoying penalties... yeah. You know, guys are going to be pissed. Yeah, no, exactly. And fans will be pissed too. At that point, who cares about culture? It's, at not, that a, point, it's not a winning culture. At that know? point, without the wins, Joe Judge probably gets fired by the end of the year. He'd be on the hot seat. But now I think, honestly, with one win, you take him back off of it. Mm-hmm. But Gettleman's still on it. Gettleman's you know? still on it for sure. So I, I just brought up, like, Devontae Freeman has looked good. Like, he, like if we're going to look at Gettleman's recent moves, he signed uh, Freeman to replace Saquon. But... It was a no-brainer move. I think any GM in the league, if they lost their best running back at that time, would look at the free agent market and see Devontae Freeman's the best guy available, pick him up, and boom. Like, I don't think that one took too much thinking. I mean, you could argue if he had waited, there's potential for Lev Bell. I don't think you expected this to... Like, I didn't expect Le'Veon to be hurt and then come back and then the Jets to cut him, which is ridiculous. And it was only because the injury and some bonus... uh, I don't want to talk about the Jets. They're a mess. But... I will talk about the Giants in that all of these Dave Gettleman early draft picks, Andrew Thomas, who I didn't think could be critiqued yet, can already be critiqued <laughs> five weeks into the season. There's six. Uh, DeAndre Baker isn't in the league anymore. He got arrested this summer, so that's a no-go. Dexter Lawrence, I think the critique is why are you drafting another interior D lineman mid-first round? He's a good player, not great, but that's not the pick there. Daniel Jones can be critiqued. I, I think I, I've said and I've stood by him and said this is a tough situation for any rookie quarterback, now a second-year pro, but still a young guy. Uh, but it's getting that time where Daniel Jones is also at least at fault somewhat for some of these games. And then definitely Saquon. Like, Saquon's a gifted athlete, a one-of-a-kind you know, prospect coming out of the draft. But why are you using a second overall pick on a running back? And we've talked about that too many times, so I'll leave it there. But I will say, and I'm sure you'll agree, Gettleman has to be on the hot seat no matter what record we have uh, this season. You know, I don't care that we're coming off of a win. It doesn't matter to me, and I'm sure you'll agree with that. Definitely, 100%. Yeah. I'll get into my first NFL quote here. Um, so here it is. <laughs> All right, you sound sad about your uh, No, I'm not, I'm not really <laughs> sad about it. It's just that I don't know if there will be much new to talk about. Oh, I'm sorry, okay. Yeah. I gave him the game ball, but he was quickly dumped with Gatorade, and a lot of people played a part in that celebration. So it was good. It was a fun moment after the game. All right. Oh, you know, this is actually, no, 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 this is a little bit tough. Yeah. I'm hoping, I'm not sure if this is right, but I'm hoping it's Joe Judge who got the game ball. Mm-hmm. And I think... Daniel Jones was under center because the Giants ended the game with the ball. So I'll say Daniel Jones is the one who gave it to him. Yep, that's cool. right. Nice. And he said it with a smile, according to ESPN. There we go. Um, but yeah, so I bring this up partly because I want to talk Daniel Jones uh, along with everything else we had talked about. Right. So I guess I'll just kind of lead with Daniel Jones. But it's very, very confusing what to do with with. Daniel Jones. Yeah. Because, I mean, he has the the one win, sure. <laughs> but 
you know, let's say we finish the season again, a top five draft pick. Sure. And there's potential for maybe moving up or getting a quarterback or or something there. Right. And obviously Trevor Lawrence is, is the first guy you think of. Right. Because he, after playing Georgia Tech this weekend and absolutely smoking them and not even playing the entire game, Trevor <laughs> Lawrence is no doubt to me the number one quarterback in that draft. Oh, yeah. So I'm torn. Because if we're in that position, you have to consider Trevor Lawrence. I, I think... It goes without saying that he needs to be considered. Uh huh. Yeah. Not necessarily. I think that it's immediately the go-to, the only move we can make there, uh, but he needs to be considered. And you know, watching Daniel Jones play this weekend, it's tough because he has an incredible touchdown to Slayton, mm-hmm. perfectly placed. You know, right over Slayton's shoulder and into the end zone for a touchdown. Awesome. Yep. The run, the near fifty-yard run. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Those are flashes of of modern day Josh Allen, which is kind of weird because Josh Allen been slacking <laughs> a little lately. But early season Josh Allen. Yeah. Which is what you want out of your franchise quarterback. It, it it's top tier play. But then it's the turnovers and the horrible, horrible passes. That one interception that oh. really shouldn't have been an interception. Agreed. I don't agreed. Think. Agreed. But still. There's three guys around. I forget who he was even throwing to. If it was, I don't think he was throwing to anyone on that throw. He was trying to get it out of the end zone because he got hit. Anyway, though, like and it didn't even make it's it out of the one, end zone. One, one guy, three, uh, football team defensive yeah, backs it, playing there. Yeah. So, I don't know. I the only counter argument I have to it is like, if you look at Joe Burrow this year, first year coming in with the Bengals, obviously they're not doing well. They're losing. It's to be expected. There isn't really a moment in any Bengals game I've watched where I've been like, oh my God, what the hell is Joe Burrow doing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that once a week, if not more, with Daniel Jones. Yeah. Um, And then some quarterbacks are more unpredictable than others. You know, I'd say Josh Allen qualifies as a guy where, even now, even where we'll disregard this week's game, we'll even disregard the Titans. During his first four games where the Bills went 4-0 with him, I still was like, what the hell is Josh Allen doing? Why is he trying to throw that ball? And sometimes it would actually work. That might be the difference, but sometimes it wouldn't. Um, Daniel Jones, definitely a lower success rate on his unpredictable plays. But regardless, I also had written down about Tank for Trevor. It was my final point from this Giants game. And I said that Tank for Trevor was never on in the first place. It shouldn't have been on in the first place, despite what Giants fans on Twitter are saying but it should be fully off already. And it's not because I think Daniel Jones is surely the future, but I think, and I don't even think he showed that many glimpses this week that he really is the future, but it's the fact that, you know, we can get a win with the team we have now, but at the same time, there are just so many different holes that cause us to be winning by one point against football team right now. Like that's ridiculous. And it actually drew fans back to saying, Remember 2019 when we played against Washington and we beat them and allowed them to pick ahead of us, getting them Chase Young. And we won the game, but we lost the Chase Young Bowl. And they were comparing this to that again, saying that football team might get Trevor. I think it's a completely different situation. It is, but I don't think either should even be... Ah, actually, last year I did say I was mad that we lost. Last that we year won we should have been because yeah. pass rusher was one of those positions that needs to be filled. Right. And right it was right end now, of the season where you knew what the yeah. order was going to look like. Now we can't just be like, oh, we won. That's going to screw up the draft order in three months' but time. But for a quarterback, which isn't necessarily a position that needs to be filled, exactly. we need a receiver. 
But we do. I, we I do. would like to see Daniel Jones have a, a, a clear-cut weapon. Um, uh, like a number one. In the yeah. vein of a Justin Jefferson, a Jerry Judy, these guys that are on teams that got drafted this year who are undoubtedly a difference maker. So... This it, was a great receivers class, by the way. Exactly. So, like Justin Ruggs, Jefferson. Ruggs, yeah. too. Yeah. Rager got injured, but he had a, a little yeah. bit of a flash there early. Yeah. So... <laughs> Anyone can have a flash of the Eagles I think that we need a receiver big time. I think the line needs to work itself out. I mean, Daniel Jones is getting no time to throw. I was going to say. I was saying the other day when we were watching Cam Newton on the Pats. Yep. All the time that Cam had, I'm sure Daniel Jones could have made the right play there. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not essentially sold on going just for Trevor Lawrence. I feel like he's destined to wind up on the Jets or uh, the football team even now, like you were saying. Yeah. So it's tough and and confusing. But – Who's to say we don't win the division and, and, you know, those draft talks are kind of in the back of our minds as we head into a playoffs. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's there's so many holes. And I think the fact that there are so many holes is our main problem. And then that, again, goes back to Joe Judge. Well, Gettleman. Or, excuse me. Yeah, Gettleman. not Joe Judge. Yeah, not Joe Judge, not Joe Judge at all. I yeah. actually like what Joe Judge yeah, is. Yeah. But Gettleman. So... Obviously, that's the problem, mm-hmm. and I think Giants fans see it and can agree upon it pretty much for the most part. Yeah, it's it's you don't want to let this get out of hand, and as the Knicks fan in the room, you don't <laughs> because when you realize what the clear cut problem is, James Dolan, <laughs> you fix it before it becomes almost a dictatorship of sorts. Yeah, Gettleman, it's a little different, you know, Dolan being an owner and such, but don't get so caught down in the guys you want to stand by and ride by in the organization who aren't helping you and are clearly the problem, and that is Dave Gettleman right yeah. now. That's why we have these issues. No question about it, yeah. Um, in terms of players we could draft other than a receiver, uh, I think we still need O-Lyman. And I think uh, his name from Oregon... I think Oregon, we need a pass rush, too. We do. And still. I don't know who that number one pass rusher is, but I know who the number one offensive like, lineman is. I believe his name is Panay Sewell, and we haven't seen him yet because he plays for Oregon, I believe, in the Pac-12. So they haven't started their season yet, but he's supposed to be a revolutionary prospect. He blocked like for Quentin Herbert? Nelson. Yeah, uh, he might be young enough where he was like a freshman for that. Maybe it was his first season on the field. Okay. I, I got to learn more about him, yeah. but no, Herbert was a rookie last year. So yes, if Sewell is uh, like draft ed- eligible this year, he definitely played for Herbert. At no, least Herbert's for one a rookie year. this year. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, so that means there's like at least a year or okay. two of overlap. Yeah. So uh, and he's supposed to be like Quentin Nelson level, like can't miss level offensive lineman from what I've read. That's the pick to me. That's, that's what pick. I think the pick is as well. I don't care if he's an offensive tackle or an offensive guard. He finds a spot on this Giants O line because there's not a single player on this O line, in my opinion, that is irreplaceable. Um, I think that's the Unless right the terminology get there. That's yeah, but it depends they where they that. end up. They yeah, they need it they maybe that. more than us. Yeah. Uh, um, so the only other thing that I had wanted to say about the argument for Trevor Lawrence and drafting okay, him sure. is that I think, because you had brought up Josh Allen, that it's different when it comes to a clear-cut number one guy at quarterback coming mm-hmm. out of your college football playoff school. Uh, so, you know, whether that's Bama, whether that's Georgia, whether that's even a Notre Dame occasionally, um, usually you don't see that with, with quarterbacks as much, but Clemson with Trevor Lawrence, 
uh, LSU with Joe Burrow. I think there's a difference in guys who have in the past had a history of being able to get it done, who already have rings on their hand. We have that in Trevor Lawrence. You see that in Joe Burrow. And like I said, you aren't mad at Joe Burrow during the game. You really aren't. You're rooting for him, and you know that he's putting his best out there. He's getting wrecked on the line every time, and the rest of the team around him isn't as good. So that's my only argument is Daniel Jones is, uh, you know, obviously was good for Duke, but it's Duke football. And Mm -hmm. Josh Allen was out of Wyoming Mm -hmm. where, you know, you're seeing some of that slip into his play now where he's not as accurate as some of these other quarterback guys. Even Joe Burrow. I think Joe Burrow is vastly more accurate than Josh Allen coming out of LSU and playing in playoff college football. So I think that Trevor Lawrence is an option. And we should at least consider it, but not right now. It's not tank for Trevor. It's right. get to the playoffs right now because it's a, it's <laughs> um, it's yeah. possible. It, and it's it, really yeah. possible. So we need to watch how Daniel Jones plays. We need to watch how he plays specifically against the rest of the NFC East. Yeah. And we'll take it from there. Yeah. But I think there's too many holes for us to immediately just say tank for Trevor. Agreed. No, I'm not a tank for Trevor. I'm the exact opposite. My final, final point before we finally get off this Giants. Uh, I was going to say rant. It's not a rant. It's really just us talking about uh, some kind of hope. We're excited. Maybe. We yeah. got to win, okay? Yeah, I'm pumped. exactly. But it would be terrible. This is my take. It would be terrible if we make the playoffs. Or really, it's going to be terrible for whatever NFC East team makes the playoffs, assuming they have six wins or less. Because that would be like a top 10 draft pick that's going to instantly become a bottom 12 or 14 draft pick because, simply because, you made the playoffs. Yep. Ridiculous. The, for the for anyone, if we go 4-12, and 12, that could be like top 6. And instead, if somehow 4-12 and 12 wins you the NFC East, which, like we said, was mathematically possible but very, very unlikely even still, that you'd go from like top 5 to 18th overall. It's terrible. It is like, for a team like the Giants, it would screw them over. I I think think this is the punishment, though. I I think that's what (laughs) needs to be the punishment for winning this sorry-ass division. (laughs) Like, yeah, congrats, but you were garbage. You were garbage, too. And just because you're getting an extra game doesn't mean you shouldn't suffer the consequences. And this is the consequences of all of this division (laughs) being absolutely garbage. If a 4-12 team wins a playoff game... Not even to say the Super Bowl, but that would be the craziest of things. That would sum up this season, I think, more than anything else. If and we won it, no. If 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 a four and twelve oh. team won, <laughs> it could be us. Won the NFC East and then goes into the playoffs and wins a game. So it'd be crazy. What happens if Being we start sick. getting some wins outside of the division? I mean, <laughs> that was another thought I was having because it'd be great for us. Realistically, if you think about it. Yes, we lost some tough games to start the season, but what if things were to get rolling? <laughs> uh, look, like, the defense, what happens? What do we think there? Because the defense know. looks good, right? If Daniel Jones, if Daniel Jones balls out, he, he has ball- threats. If Engram can catch balls, yeah. if Devontae Freeman can run you know, like he just did this run week. at yeah. least to take some of the pressure off of Daniel Jones and, and kind of fill that Saquon void, right? And then also Slayton looking like. Like a top re- receiving threat. Yeah. Then yeah. Then yeah. I mean, I think at that point... It's weird. Me as a long-term Giants fan, I'm rooting... Look, I'm always rooting for Giants success. I just realistically don't see it this year. Yeah. But if, the Giants, know, but if the Giants defense keeps this up, where they look like a legit unit... And again, I don't know how that happened, but it, it did. Maybe it's the new defensive coordinator and just this new coaching staff that 
Joe Judge brought with him and I guess Gettleman hired. I'm going to not credit Gettleman for that. I'm going to say Joe Judge did. Nah, I think it was more Joe Judge. Yeah, but regardless, um, if that stays the same, and like you said, if Daniel Jones like turns it around, then yeah. I mean, if we're winning outside the division and we can at least beat every team in the division once, which we've done one-third of that so far by beating Washington, then yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's a chance. There, There is a chance. It's crazy. All right, finally moving to my second NFL quote of the day. Um, yeah, I don't want to do that when we've talked about the NFC East enough, so I'll go this way. <laughs> All right, who said it? We love being in the kitchen. AFC North ball is in the kitchen. It's hot in the North. Hmm. There's really only four teams this could be. Yeah. Only so many people, I think, would say this. Why can't I think of that four team? Okay, so... The four teams are the Bengals, yeah. Browns, Ravens, Steelers. They're the four teams in that division. I'm going to say Steelers because they're kind of on a roll. Um, mm-hmm. I, Juju, maybe? No, it's the man known for his very weird analogies. And I think Big Cat actually retweeted this one specifically. It's Coach Mike Tomlin. Okay. There we go. Who said this actually this week coming into the four and one versus four and one showdown? No, four and zero. Oh, the Steelers are still yeah, undefeated Steelers versus four and one. Yep. The Browns haven't been that good in like ten plus years, I believe. So Mike Tomlin was trying to gas up the AFC North and just kind of said it weird, but it, you know it was an exciting quote. Got yeah. you excited for this week, and the Steelers clearly responded to that because they beat the Browns thirty-eight to seven. Keeping a streak going where the Browns have not won in Pittsburgh since October 2003 when Baker Mayfield was eight years old. Yep. So that's the stat there. Um, talk to me about what you thought about that game and what you think of these Steelers. I, I just think that the Steelers are a clear threat to the rest of the league right now. I think the defense is clicking. I think the Big Ben is putting on performances that he hasn't shown in the past five years even, four years maybe. Um, he looks legit. He looks like the veteran star quarterback. He's looking like you're going into Steelers games now expecting the game out of Big Ben to be like that of Drew Brees, say, like two years ago. Where you're getting that veteran guy. You know he's going to make the throws. You know it's going to happen and click and work. Yep. It's all about how the ins and outs play out. So the team is looking great. I mean, James Conner is still a threat. He has Juju, who looks fantastic this year to me. Yep. I, I think that he... He's I was back. iffy on him yeah. because last year was the first year without Antonio Brown yep. and he was getting double covered and it really wasn't working out. Now he's kind of stepping into his own. This is what I was expecting out of Juju last year, I think. Yep. So everything's working. The defense looks great. Bud Dupree's a absolute beast. Yes. Um, <clears throat> defense is the best. The best defense in the it, NFL. It has to be the best defense in the league. They just lost their linebacker, Devin Bush, young linebacker, mm-hmm. first round pick from, I think, last year. Uh, to a torn ACL, so that's going to hurt a little bit. But, I, again, in this system, in this team that's been defense-heavy for as long as I can remember, you know, the terrible towels in the crowd, the steel curtain, as they call it, um, I, I think you can find a middle linebacker to replace even Devin Bush when you have T.J. Watt on one side of them and Bud Dupree on the other. Cam Hayward still playing for them. Minka Fitzpatrick with a pick six this it's game. It's a dangerous defense. But best of all is the one player I don't think you mentioned and the reason, actually, Juju oh, broke out. Juju broke out before this kid yeah. came onto the scene. But 
When we went to call the BC Notre Dame game last year at South Bend, we both said, damn, this this wide receiver, excuse me, this this junior, maybe he's a senior, wide receiver is going to be something else. We could see him making the NFL. And sure enough, in the third or fourth round, Chase Claypool went to the Steelers. And then last week, not in this Brown scheme, but last week, he puts up four total touchdowns, and he added another one, maybe two, this week against the Browns. He's the real deal. I think he had two. Yeah, I think he did. Or I might be thinking of Justin Jefferson. That might be on me. Uh, Justin Jefferson did have two, yeah. so maybe Claypool did only have one. But regardless, if he continues to be this consistent of a threat, Juju can't be double teamed. And then you do have these two threats similar to A.B. and rookie Juju, but maybe better. I know I know, A.B. is better than either of these players. But I'd say Claypool and current Juju are better than rookie Juju was. So... This is crazy. It's and James and, Washington's pretty good too. And Deontay Dude. Johnson. Yeah, there, there's yeah. so many threats. And Ebron. And Ebron. He's very good. So a more veteran tight end guy, but he's still balling out. There. James Conner, Jalen Samuels. It's it's a crazy crazy team. They're my team. They're my team to win the AFC. I, I'll say it now. I've been saying for a couple weeks off the show. I love the Titans. They're my other one that I'm like rooting for. That's gonna be the matchup. That is. They going play to this be, week. It's they going were supposed to be to play. incredible. They're supposed to play a couple weeks ago. COVID with the Titans uh, postponed it to this coming week, but we're finally gonna get to see it. It reminds me of like a more defensive focused and not as exciting, but still hyped version of like Rams versus Chiefs from two years ago, mm. or Chiefs Ravens from last year. It's that kind of like the big threats in the league. But look, I just said the Steelers are the, like my number one to win the AFC. That's including the Chiefs. Bills and Ravens in that conference. I just think the Steelers have that magic. They have the they threats are, on offense and they have the defense. So that's my pick. Basically, it's crazy. The <laughs> NFC East is just the upside down Stranger Things version of that division. Yeah, like we're just so garbage and they are all so so good uh, to the point where people are honestly even starting to doubt the Bills. When I think that the Bills are still pretty decent. Uh, in comparison to the teams that they have to play in that division. Well, obviously it's like a couple divisions, right? The Bills, the Bills, in fact, or conference, I mean, right, right, right. The conferences feel different. Like I don't, the NFC doesn't feel the same. Where yeah. it's like the Packers, there's no untouchable team to me in the NFC. The Seahawks defense sucks. The Packers finally lost to the Bucks by a ton. The Bucks are not. There's not a team in the NFC South, in my opinion, that's untouchable, including the Buccaneers. And obviously not the NFC East. So it's a weird division for sure. Or weird conference. See, I just made the same mistake. So I agree with that analogy. Yeah. But I was going to say, the Bills division, they, even though they uh, lost to the Chiefs today, they're now experiencing what the Pats have always experienced, where they're just above and beyond the other three teams. But in Bills fashion, it just doesn't feel nearly as comfortable. Like, that's, that's mm-hmm. my feeling from this. Where the Patriots have a losing record for the first time in, like, 10-plus years and they're behind the Dolphins in the divisional standings. It's so weird. Not to mention the Jets, of course, being winless and looking like they could go 0-16. Um, yeah, I, I'd say... Huh, you know what's crazy? There's eight teams in the two Eastern divisions, and only one of them has a winning record right now, and that's the Bills. Uh, that's sad. But yeah. but anyway, yeah. <laughs> All that to say that I can see the Steelers beating the Chiefs. They looked vulnerable this year. They, they bounced back this week, but... but they lost to the Raiders last week, which was out of the blue for me. Um, and the Ravens, weirdly, don't look that dominant anymore. Even though they won against the Eagles, they kind of let them creep back into yep. the game. I don't know. I If I had to lock in a team, oof, lock in is a big word, but I just like the Steelers, man. They, like That's why I wanted to say this quote, because I really, 
really mess with the Steelers this year. I I think that the Chiefs are still the Chiefs, and I think they're, that they should still be the favorites. But I'm picking the Steelers. The biggest you know? lock. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I can't, I can't say anything more than the Steelers are just as good, and especially their defense. But we talked about Claypool, and obviously, having seen him in in person live, he he's a special force on offense. Mm-hmm. Um, I do actually remember in fantasy this year in a bunch of drafts saying, you know what, I think like last one or two picks, I'm going to like stash Claypool. Yeah. Because I remember thinking, okay, I know him. I've seen him play. I think that that offense with big, with big Ben throwing is still a threat. And if Juju's getting double covered yet again, I think he's the guy primed to stand out among the other three or the other two. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Claypool is dominant. He's coming into everything that we had thought he would be. Big Claypool guys on the show. Yeah. And I'm excited to see more of him because he can honestly he could honestly even overtake uh Juju yeah. at some point. He I could. Think. Like, I think Juju's a great second guy. If you can have Claypool at, at the one, that would be crazy. Uh as far as I can tell, it was actually James Washington who was most targeted uh in this past game. Four catches for sixty eight yards on seven targets. Claypool and Juju each had four targets. Juju only two catches for six yards, so he's clearly being treated as that number one. Claypool caught all <laughs> caught all four balls. I don't know why that was a tongue twister. Uh, for 74 yards, his touchdown actually came on a rush. It was one of three rushing touchdowns for the Steelers. We can say all great things about the Steelers, but quickly, what's going on with the Browns? And what are what do we think of the Browns? What's to be made of this team? They lost 38-7. Baker... 10 for 18, 119 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. And the running game, like with Kareem Hunt in, Nick Chubb's out right now, he's injured. Kareem Hunt, only three yards per carry, 13 for 40. What's going on here? Well, the first thing is that Kareem Hunt cannot be the main back. Which is crazy because he was just a couple years ago. And he was. Yeah. But now as he's gotten older too, I I think that as a receiving back threat, he's, he's, he's dynamite. I really think that with Chubb and Kareem going, that team is actually a winning record team and can get And they to the are a winning record year. team now. So Baker is my problem to some extent, but okay. also I think we need to look at the receiving core. Mm. Because Odell and Jarvis Landry do not get enough flack for how they've played this year. Interesting. Because okay. it's been garbage. They but is it to who's to blame? Because I have a quote from Stephen A. This is like my sort of bonus quote today, saying about Odell. He needs to demand to get the hell up out of Cleveland. As far as I'm concerned, Jarvis Landry should demand a trade out of Cleveland. In fact, anybody who's a pass catcher should not want to play with this guy because Baker is not going to make you look good. Is that an overreaction of Baker? Is that cutting too much slack for the receivers? It's cutting far too much slack for the receivers. I don't think that Odell has played anything like the hype around him or the money he's getting. Yeah. He does not deserve that. He hasn't looked good really since he was with the Giants. Mm. Jarvis is kind of getting up there in age and I, I think sort of declining as well. And you're seeing a decline of two guys who are seen as a superstar and a star at receiving threats. Yeah. And they are not that. They are more average than any one of the other rookie receivers this year playing. Wow. It's it's on Ooh. the receivers. Okay. And I think that having Chubb and then Kareem Hunt as a receiving threat, because obviously those other receivers aren't going to help you out, right. helps. That's how they got those wins. Baker, mm-hmm. I'm torn. Because do I think he's a lock franchise Super Bowl guy? Not necessarily. I think we've seen teams do 
more with less, like a Nick Foles. So I think if you have Baker in in that situation with the right team around him, it could work, yes. But if you're relying on him as the sole means of getting this team going, I don't think it's going to happen. I just think that the Browns fans are too obsessed with this idea of Baker Mayfield being a star quarterback, and he is not. He is honestly just as average. Honestly, just as average as, like, Kirk Cousins right now. Mm. And I think that's kind of a decent comp for him. Okay. Long term. Kirk Cousins is a decent quarterback, you know? Nothing against him. He struggled this year, but yeah, I hear you. But that's what you're going to get out of Baker. You don't know if Baker's going to light it up for four touchdowns and 300-something yards one night, or if he's going to go for, oh, and maybe 120. Yeah, I I think... And that's what Kirk Cousins does every other week. So I think if you expect Baker Mayfield to be that... You're okay. Just build the team around him and not necessarily through him. Okay. Yeah, I, I think Baker is getting too much heat, in my I opinion. Agree. Um, and I don't think he gets that much hype anymore from Browns fans. Like, yeah, he was your number one overall pick a couple years ago, and he did lead this team to more wins, I think, already than all those other quarterbacks on that, like, super long QB jersey that's in Cleveland somewhere. Um, so with all that being said, like, I get why you stand by Baker and I think you still should, but at the same time, I see why Stephen A is upset. I see why people are concerned, but I don't know. Browns fans, you're still four and two. I think they're panicking because they already forgot how to lose. You know, like they, they're like, this is the team we were four and one and they get dropped 31 point loss against the Steelers. And it's like, are we good? You know, like who's to blame for this? But it's almost like that, like, thing in life where like everything is going great and you're waiting on something bad to happen yeah because that's what the browns are dealing with four wins is pretty damn good for this browns team right now yeah four and two and come on they're expecting that the rest of the season will all be in that loss column so yeah yeah. really like there will be wins along the way and baker will be mediocre enough to get you there he's Mm. not a star no, he's I agree. Good, I agree. I agree. He's a, and I I shouldn't have knocked him for not being a franchise quarterback because other teams have used franchise quarterbacks that are way lesser than Baker. Yeah. But he's a franchise quarterback, but not a star. I think that's what we need to realize. And I think, he's Cleveland's franchise quarterback. <laughs> but you know, like back to this receiving problem, like it it needs to be Odell and Jarvis that get all of the crap that Baker yeah. Mayfield does get. Because I, I, I think I like, that they need to go first before we start looking at Baker. Okay. I like that take. Yeah. Final fun fact. <laughs> Kareem Hunt isn't old. He just turned 25 two months ago. So did he, like, forget how to be the feature back? Is is that what the issue is? I don't like, know. Maybe it's just, like, Chief Keith really... disorder. <laughs> where, like, he's so, he's so he was so good, so young, that by the time he's now, like, three years later, yeah. and he's done so much, you're like, oh, wow, he's old. But no, he's gone Chief through Keith a is lot. balling still. And he's, like, a little bit older than I. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's crazy. I was going to make a dumb joke about Kareem Hunt's off-the-field issues, but we'll leave that there. He, he's gone through some other stuff. Uh, let's just go to your second quote instead. <laughs> let's all see right. what you got. More NFL here. I'm all NFL today, so right. we'll keep it rolling with this. That's too slow. I need to get to 22. Bit of a tough quote. That's too slow. I need to get to 22. Mm-hmm. Not it can't be like the age twenty two because no. you can't be that young in the NFL. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a record or like a streak. Not a streak. A, re- a record so, of some sort. Uh, not really a record. I need but to it get. Has to do or is twenty two like a number of a jersey? Not a jersey. It, it's so it's a stat. Um, 
That's too slow. I need to get to 22. It's sort of a stat. Nothing that will show up in the box score. Whoa. Wow. This is a weird one, dude. I think you've, like, fully stumped me. I was going to say something like, you know, maybe Russ is leading the league in touchdowns and he doesn't like that he doesn't have 22 yet. I, I don't know. We um, have talked about this team already. Ooh. Maybe that. Okay. Uh, that's too slow. Okay, it's miles per hour. It's like 22 miles per hour. Um, the team we've talked about... It could be Chase Claypool for all we know. Um, I'll just go with that because I've taken long enough, but I think it's about like speed, like 22 so, miles per hour. So, so close. I'll give you a half point because it was about speed. Nice. Okay. It's Derrick Henry Dang. on his 21.6 mile per hour like on his 94-yard oh. touchdown run. Crazy. The highlight of the weekend for sure. This guy carried the team, like carried it to 200 Literally. yards yeah. running. Yeah. And a 42-36, to 36, I believe, win over the Texans, um, which featured Mike Vrabel, you know, calling a penalty on himself Insane. to stop the clock. He's a genius. He's the genius of this generation of coaches. We can talk about that in a sec. But Derrick Henry, man, he is – I love him. He's just so much fun to watch. He, he has the speed of <laughs> – not really, but Tyreek Hill combined with the body of, like – I don't know, like a middle linebacker, maybe bigger. Like it, It's incredible. He's basically a taller beast mode. Like, he's beast mode 2.0. Yes, yes. And That's faster. A, I think faster, he's, too. He's this generation's beast mode. And he's, yeah. It, it, it's crazy. This dude is a former Heisman, and we knew there was that viral picture of him standing next to Mark Ingram, and we were like, wow, that's one big guy. How is that a running back? Huge guy. He came into the league, and he he's lived up to expectations and maybe exceeded them. Like, I didn't think Derrick Henry would be... I might call him the – yeah, he's the number one true running back right now. Like Kamara, Zeke, even Saquon, McCaffrey, they all have that receiving edge to them. It's that dual threat that makes them so good. If you want a true runner, who are you handing the ball off to? In any situation, it's Derrick Henry. In fantasy, in fantasy too, Derrick Henry was below Saquon, Zeke. He always is. And – because you think the pass catching, I will PPR. say, uh, Christian McCaffrey, because of PPR, has to be that one. Right. And in a world injury, where he is healthy, exactly. When he is healthy, Christian McCaffrey is a different being yes, on yes, the yes, field. Yes, But Derrick Henry... Mike Davis is doing things in his exactly. role and living up to the McCaffrey level stuff. But, but yeah. Derrick Henry needs to be, if not the number one guy off the board, if not the number one running back, if you're going to take McCaffrey... It needs to be Derrick Henry. Yeah. Because the Titans offense, first of all, runs through him. Literally. They do. They runs do. Runs through Derrick Henry. It's it's not... I mean, Tannehill has had some awesome throws this year. I'll, he fits I'll that system that. so well. It's that Adam Gase effect where he left. Yep. I was listening to Big Cat talk about him today, uh, Tannehill, where he was saying, like, Adam Gase dumbed him down so much that he realized how to not be successful mm-hmm. and then did everything opposite yeah. and has become the successful quarterback that he is, so, which I love. Spin zone, Darnold's going to be good as soon as Gase Exactly, leaves. or maybe Darnold leaves. But regardless, Ooh. I mean, Adam Gase has to be out. We, I, you know. A little short, tiny rant on Adam Gase yeah. right now. I feel so bad for Jets fans same, with this dude. Same here. Seeing his weekly press conferences, first of all, no one is on the same page in that organization. What yeah. are you doing? Secondly, every time that his players have to speak out about something, uh, whether it's practice, whether it's stuff that a coach should already know that I actually feel very good about Joe Judge being on top of, mm-hmm. it's, it's always like he's the last one to hear about it. Right. He needs to go. He needs to go as much as 
arguably, if not probably more, than Gettleman right now. He is the problem for that team. He is garbage. He does not deserve a coaching spot anywhere in the NFL, the XFL, or college football. <laughs> and yet, somehow, he's what, 30 and 40? I, I saw I saw the stats, though, and it's like you would really expect him to be 0 and 70. But the way the Jets I, are playing. Yeah, I mean, dude. So like, shout out Jay Cutler <laughs> for absolutely being able to ball. Yeah, the Jets have talent on their roster. Sure, they probably are bad enough to be winless. And they are winless right now. But they also have the talent to win a game. Like Sam Darnold, I've been saying. Jameson Crowder, like, yeah, he's a baller. Sam Darnold can do the job. Like, he has made, like, Mahomes-like passes a couple times. And he has to because this O-line sucks around him. And... The team is so bad around him. Le'Veon Bell was injured, didn't want to play for them, ends up getting cut because of some injury clause in his contract. So stupid. Uh, but all this stuff is happening around Sam Darnold. So first of all, I feel bad for Sam Darnold. He deserves better. I think he will hopefully get a Tannehill-like chance somewhere else and people will change their opinion on him like they did with Ryan Tannehill. I, I really see that coming. But for right now with the Jets, I can't see them not going 0-16. And it's strictly because of Adam Gase. It's not the talent on the team. Yes, there's no more Jamal Adams, and yes, now there's no more Le'Veon. But they still have enough to... In the AFC East, they could beat the Patriots, maybe. Like, they really could on, on a good day where Adam Gase is not your NFL, your, your coach, but he is. So, wow, now you made me rant about Adam Gase. Right? Like, you know, it's, like... it's so frustrating <laughs> because I was looking on Twitter yesterday and I was like, this sucks. This is how I feel with the Knicks and Dolan. Yeah. Because it's statements that are just so, so bad. And that's what Gase is giving them as a head coach. Yeah. Like, come on. Yeah. That is awful. There's they, no no leadership. It's, it's frustrating, There's and I no, feel bad. Yeah. I really actually feel bad for Jets fans. Yeah, who are who are some Jets fans? We know Steve, Diego Starr is a Jets fan. I feel bad for Steve. I, I, none else are really coming to mind just yet. But I have some I, of my I family. So My brother used to be a Jets fan. He got off that. Yeah, at a good timing, so shout out Ian there. Uh, but the Titans, yeah, Derrick Henry. <laughs> so yeah, Derrick Henry. Unreal though. Yeah, like yeah. seriously, so unreal. I don't even know what else to talk about with him because I just needed to bring him up for some reason uh, because he's he's balling. The dude is balling. He's the reason why the Titans are uh, undefeated like they are right now, and everything runs through him. And he's uh, bar any injuries or COVID could be a main reason why they are a potential Super Bowl they team. Are. I think the combination of him and Vrabel together um, really lead this Titans this and, Titans team. And another great defense from a great defensive-minded coach, and Vrabel being a former Patriots linebacker. So that makes sense as well. But I Harold really... Landry there, too. Yes. Good. Shout, shout out BC out there. I, I, love, I love Mike Vrabel as a coach, and I really love this Titans team. I'm sticking with my Steelers pick, but I really think Dark Horse Titans... You know, like I, I, I think the Titans would be my dark horse. Okay. The only thing I will say though is that look at what the Steelers did to Saquon Barkley in our first game of the year. Right. I don't know. Yeah. If I mean theoretically, Henry and Barkley are the same level of running back threat. In a but, different form. Like. Yeah. I don't know. I I think and a different O line too. A different O line. The Taylor sure. Luan, the left for tackle. Sure. Taylor the one has an ACL injury and bigger, apparently. right? Like Henry has to be. Oh bigger. yes. Oh, so height so wise, he definitely is. But. <laughs> I love how you're just like picturing the two of them. They I'm run so like, they it, run so differently, and Derrick Henry 
runs better as a, as a yeah. true runner. I, I'd rather weekend. have Derrick Henry. He's, yeah, he's a G. Um, and I would probably, I wouldn't as a GM pay too many running backs. I'll say it though, I would pay Derrick Henry. He's just so valuable on so many different levels. I don't care that he can't, uh, not that he can't catch a ball, but that he's not used as a pass catcher. It doesn't matter to me. You put that dude on the goal line. Or on your own goal line. And he can run 90-plus yards like he just did this past week. It's incredible. So, shout-out to Derrick Henry. Um, Let me quickly jump in to my one MLB quote. Uh, This is the only time we'll talk about something other than football today, and we had to. We kind of hooked you guys in on it earlier, just previewing this little bit of baseball talk. But as of right now, you don't know if this will be about the ALCS or the NLCS. So, here we go. All that to say, who said this and who it's about? He's so competitive. He game plans, does everything right, goes about the game the right way, a great leader on the mound, takes control of everything. He just does everything right, and that's why he's a Hall of Famer. Hmm. A great leader on the mound, takes control of everything. Yeah, I know. I don't know why I'm blanking on the starting pitcher. It's a um, you know, there's teams to think about here, but is it so, is it someone in the World Series? It is someone okay. who makes right. the World yeah, Series. Thank God. 100%. So it's either Glass now or uh, what's his name? Why am I blanking on the name? Mm. It's the other guy too, and I know it's the other testing guy. that baseball knowledge. I know. <laughs> um, Can you at least get maybe who said it? It's a teammate of the player. We talked about Bellinger. a lot. It's a good guess. It's the other outfielder, Mookie Betts. Okay. He's talking about a, a Dodger. Yeah, I know. I He's know who the, it is. The Dodger. I don't know why I can't think of this right now. He's had some postseason struggles. Mm-hmm. Nickname Kid K. God. <laughs> I know it too, and it's He's in that car so commercial frustrating. <laughs> because I've just read an article about <laughs> the pitching matchup yeah. too. Oh my god! <laughs> he is that pitcher, the game I know, starter. I know. Yeah. Just give it to me because I'm gonna be pissed. Uh, if I give him, if you, I give you the first name, you'll get the last name. I should. Clayton Kershaw. There you go, Clayton Jesus Kershaw. Kershaw. <laughs> I don't know why I couldn't think of that right now. It's all right. Uh, it's been it's it's late, guys. We're recording this at ten fifty currently, so it's it, we we both had long days. We just fit this uh, recording session in barely. That's but... so. I read it literally like ten minutes before we recorded this. That's so annoying. Let's go. I I got the other team. Yeah. Like wh- you got glass. God. Yeah. All right. Well, so that's my first point. Kershaw starts Game One of the World Series tomorrow night against Tyler Glasnow and the Rays. Um, Kershaw has this little bit of narrative around him where he struggles in in the playoffs. I mean, he had a good start against the Padres in the NLDS. That was the Dodgers' first series. They had a bye, I believe. Or no, there was no buys. It was that weird. Wow. Sorry, I'm just forgetting how much baseball we had. They we were we were at 16 teams. But no, I'm thinking of the NLDS against the Padres. Uh, he looked pretty good, but <laughs> he struggled in his Game 4 start against the Braves. He pitched five innings, gave up seven hits, four earned runs, one walk, only four strikeouts. My question is going to be, Clayton Kershaw, like Hall of Famer. He will be a Hall of Famer. This dude is a, a, a multiple-time Cy Young Award winner. He hasn't been in the World Series no, he's been in the World Series multiple times recently. I, I was going to say since the Astros in 2017, but I believe the yeah the Dodgers went back the next year and lost to the Red Sox. So he's haunted by struggles. But in this weird you know COVID year where everything feels a little different, Dodgers have a lot of momentum coming back from a 3-1 deficit, 
deficit, excuse me, against the Braves, all that to come up against an underdog team in the Rays now, can Kershaw put these, you know, ghosts of the playoff past behind him? You know, what do you think? I I hope he can. Right. I'm rooting for the Dodgers in the World Series, and it feels weird to be saying, but I am. No, same here. And uh, I think that Game 7 against the Astros really told us a lot about this Dodgers squad right now. Or against... Wait, wait, against the Braves. Against the Braves, yes, my bad. Because the Rays also because went to the Game Rays 7 against the Astros. Game seven, yeah. So there's a lot. So, yeah, against the Braves, excuse me. And there has been a lot of baseball. Yeah, which I um, love. Yeah. I think that it was just gritty playoff baseball. Yeah. And I know that's kind of a lame way to describe it, but that's all it was. And it was the it best was, form of gritty playoff baseball. It you know? wasn't like, you know, when you're watching... NBA or MLB where you're saying it's like pickup. It wasn't pickup, but it had the fun feel of pickup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the intensity of a high school rivalry. Yeah. And yeah. it was just guys having fun while also wanting to win with everything in their souls. Yeah. And we saw it from Bellinger, the absolute strut after his yeah. nuke. That was that's what brings baseball back. Yep. Is you marketing players like that. Yep. Who are fun to watch, who are Twitter videos right off the cuff. That is what we need more of yeah. in baseball. And it was so, so fun to watch. I, the plays being made in the infield, incredible by the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. As well as Bellinger robbing the home run. Yeah. Also insane. Well, Bellinger had that robbery. And but then Mookie, Mookie Betts, had one as well. Yeah. He had the robbery that I said, they were down 3-2. He robs a solo shot. It would have been a two-run game. I think that's a whole different ball game. And I go... Yeah, the Dodgers are winning this baseball. Yeah, and, and they no, tied 100%. it. And then you know, like you mentioned, Bellinger hits the go-ahead homer and struts. And I literally said, I was like, you know what, Bellinger homer right here. And that pitch, he hit it. I was so it's hyped. It's all Mookie, and I yeah. love. I actually like Mookie team. on the Dodgers. Same, same. I, He's a likable guy. He sure. is. There Get him out of really Boston. Insane amount of hatred for him when he no, was on the Red Sox no. compared to guys in the past. Yeah, but. It, you know, I didn't want to root for him when he was there. Exactly. And exactly. now on the Dodgers, I I love Mookie. I think Mookie's awesome, He's awesome for them. I'm excited for this World Series this year, yeah. actually. I didn't think I would be after the depression <laughs> that was fueled by the Yankees uh, losing. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> I want the Dodgers to win. I want the Dodgers to beat the crap out of the Rays. Yeah. I think the Rays kind of disrespected the Yanks, too. You know, different story At least story they did than, their job against the Astros. The Astros. Yes, yeah. agreed. Yeah. So... I'm excited. I'm glad the Astros aren't in it. Yes. I think that if they play this kind of pickup bully ball, grid <laughs> style baseball yet again throughout the World Series, because I've seen teams in baseball especially do this in the past, mm-hmm. I think it correlates to winning and almost taking on like an aspect of Team of Destiny by playing the way that they were. The Dodgers are so due. They haven't won, I think, since, I'm going to just guess, I believe it was 88 is their last World Series. And for a team in L.A., a Yankees-like team, yeah, they could be if they win. They will be the new title town already. But it, it's like the L.A. Dodgers have the Yankees market size and the Yankees spending amount, you know, and that kind of spending power. And they haven't won in 30 years, 30-plus 30 years. So this is a drought that they're looking to end, and it could happen here. Meanwhile, I don't think Tampa, because they were an expansion franchise, I, I, I could be wrong, but I don't think they've won a World Series. They went in 08. Uh, against the Phillies and lost. So I don't think they've been back since. Also um, borderline title town. Yeah, they, low-key, because they just won the, the uh, Stanley Cup. Yep. 
And the Buccaneers always it's could Brady. win because it's Brady. So we could be seeing the crowning of new title town. New title town. Get it out of Boston. Well, get well, out of Boston. I feel like it always, it always bounces around Boston, between yeah. Boston, New York, the Bulls, and L.A. As does everything in sports. Because. Yeah, those those big four cities. Those are the markets. Those mm-hmm. are where players go usually. Yeah. Um, and I think that maybe this is part of the process of getting New York to be title town once again. Get fired up. Title town days are over. Yeah. yeah. The Celtics days are running low too. Yeah, I don't see them. Maybe we'll be wrong because there is a lot of young I love blood. Jason Tatum. I just don't think they're. But. At some point, it's like, does he just get screwed by Giannis like other teams were by LeBron being in the East? Yeah, because I didn't even... They were like a game or two away from being in the NBA Finals, but I never really once took them that seriously. Well, this is what happens. You move... You know? (laughs) Basically, (laughs) the Celtics could pull pull this off again by... They could. Giannis going to the Heat, kind of like LeBron to the Heat. Okay. From a nowhere place like Cleveland, from a nowhere place like Milwaukee. Sorry, our <laughs> Cleveland and Milwaukee fans. Yep. But going down there, causing problems for Tatum throughout his entire career. Wow. Celtics make the trade. Oh. Maybe oh. not the Nets. But oh, just well, hopefully not make the Nets. A similar trade. <laughs> yeah. Get rid of their core right. once they're too old because Giannis kind of just screwed them over. And then everything repeats itself. Yeah. Everything is a circle, circle it of is. life. It is, it is. And we keep moving forward in the sports world. But hey, maybe New York makes a resurgence as title town. Hey, I mean. it's bouncing all over the look, place like this. Look, the, the the Yankees are still in prime position. As Aaron Boone said, we could, this team could have won a World Series. It's like, such an annoying quote because it's true and we didn't do it. I'd uh, argue the Rangers are two to three years away. Yeah, if the Islanders two. were. I mean, if not now. The Islanders key. were like a game away from being in the uh, Stanley Cup Finals. And then you have to agree that Brooklyn is at least primed yeah. for a playoff push. Yes. So we have all, no, three sports, because Buffalo doesn't count as Buffalo a New York team. Count. And the Giants and Jets, even though we're not even in New York, really, they aren't close to the or championship anyway. the Giants win the NFC Oh, let's go. Team of Destiny. Boom. <laughs> it's all happening. We called it first. Yeah, Giants. New York is now title town. There you go. <laughs> but that's, no, LA realistically could yeah. be title town now. Especially with this, especially with the Lakers having won. The uh, Dodgers are close. The Dodgers are close. favorites. Um, and you even have in football, I mean, it's a little weird, Rams, yeah, sure. Chargers, but sure. sure. Why not throw the Rams and McVay in, in that conversation? They looked they're bad going, last night, but in general. They're going to the playoffs. Yeah, because it's expanded to seven teams yeah. per conference. They'll, yeah, it's a tough division, the NFC West, but they, they ha- they're good enough mm-hmm. uh, that they can make a run. The Chargers have potential down the road if Herbert keeps developing as he is. I, I like watching him. So, yeah, sure. I, I think L.A. could really – well, let's see what happens in this series. But, yeah, I could see L.A. taking that. Um, or Tampa does. Which would be pretty cool because they don't have much. You know, they have – Tom ushers in a new title town. Yeah. I mean, they – do they get the Magic as their basketball team or Miami? Maybe closer to Miami, honestly. But that's a whole different market because yeah. they have all their sports teams – I guess they can take the magic. We'll just sub in hockey for it. Yeah, sure. But Instead I was trying to think of like all four sports. But yes, well, hockey that's why, is that's their title. Is a weird spot. Yeah, the Dodgers should just win and keep yeah, in the please, core please, four please. of New York, Chicago, and LA. Yeah, please and do. Boston, I guess. Uh, yeah, whatever. But yeah, my final point about Mookie, at least, even though this was supposed to be about Kershaw, uh, Joel Sherman, big baseball writer, said he was comparing Mookie bets to Willie Mays, and I love this quote. He said. Anyone can buy five tools at Home Depot, but only a craftsman can fully exploit them. So using the mm. whole five-tool player analogy where it's yep. 
I think it's hit for power, hit for contact, speed, um, throwing arm, and fielding. And he has all five of those, yeah. uh, like all of them for sure. Um, you know, but <laughs> the best part about this quote to me is he compared Betts, not necessarily as good as Willie Mays because no one is, but if Trout is the modern day Mickey Mantle, Mookie is his Willie Mays. And I really like so that. Let's judge. Uh, uh, Roger Maris, maybe? You know, the home that. run king? I don't uh, hate that. If he, if he can get on that, if he can stay healthy and, you know. I don't hate that at all. Yeah. Uh, that's my that's my on the fly one. Joe no, Sherman like didn't say that, but I'd, I'd roll with it. Um, but yeah, like Mike Trout is in LA. Mookie Betts now is his opponent in LA. Mm. At the time, th- there was a time where Willie Mays, I think, was on the New York Giants before they moved to San Francisco. I could be wrong. I might be getting the timelines wrong. But if that's the case, that was Mickey Mantle in New York with the Yankees. Crosstown rivals with the Giants. Mm. Now we have crosstown rivals. Hopefully the Angels can get their stuff together and be in the playoffs soon. Yeah. Because then we could see this maybe. A little LA it rivalry would be soon. dope. And I was saying this the other day. That That'd be huge for baseball. The Angels need to give up on Otani sooner rather than later. Yeah. I think it's slightly holding them back and they can get good value out of him right now. They could. He's a young guy. He has a lot of control left. I'm not on the trade Otani train. I'm more so on the commit to him being a pitcher or a hitter, not both. I, I'm okay to accept that for now. And then see what happens. Yes. And if it doesn't go well, sure. My final point, if the LA Angels are good, the only thing better for baseball, better than one good LA team, is two. Because yeah. then we'd have Los Angeles talking about baseball. New York's always talking about baseball. The Yankees fans and Mets fans are both super vocal. The best thing we can do to get ESPN talking about baseball, just big sports media groups referring back to this baseball sport <laughs> that if they seem to have forgotten about. If it been Yankees-Dodgers, it would have been perfect. But, in my opinion, as much as it would have been, it would have been, just the fact that the Dodgers made it in over the Braves saved baseball. I would have loved, I uh, love small I mean, market baseball teams. would have still happened. But no, it, it would have still happened, it, but it Rays-Braves? ushered in the potential for baseball to be back yes, big. Yes, because not a single person on the West Coast is watching Rays-Braves. Yeah. Unless you are a diehard baseball fan like myself, if I was out there and I was just like the casual Dodgers fan, I wouldn't tune in. Like, that's just how yeah. it is. So having that big team that people can rally around, I don't care if you're a casual barely watch baseball and just remember that Mookie Betts got traded or you only know Kershaw's name Watch it and get baseball talked about again. And that's huge for the sport. So the that's other, my take. The other thing that this NBA Finals needed, though, was mm. the Clippers to go farther than they did yeah. to play the Lakers. Because yeah. then we could have kind of seen that through basketball, uh, what you were saying about the Angels Dodgers. Exactly. So it's all primed, and I think L.A. is slowly becoming title town. And maybe it's just a nice parting gift from Kobe Bryant. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I, I like I like looking at it like that. I got you know got a little butterflies, a little <laughs> shivers. All right, uh, so over to your last quote. Yep, last one of the day. We've we've gone a little. We've already here, basically but... talked about it, so Word. it's not a big deal. Uh, we'll just get to the quote. Sure. I think we need to do everything better: offense, defense, special teams. There were some decent things out there today, but we let them into the red area too many times defensively. Gave up too many long plays and let them get into field goal range. It's always good to keep them out of the end zone. That's definitely the goal but they scored more points than we did, so we need to play better defense and give up fewer and try to score more. So basically how you win at sports. Yeah, I was about to but say. I think there was a couple key quotes in there, uh, letting them get into field goal range. Uh, Ooh, need yes. Need to play better defense yes. specifically. They're, they're, mm. The field goal range is the only thing I'm going to use for this one because 
I think it has to be. Um, even though I think their offense is very much lacking as well. But the score more points and give up fewer. It just feels very much like this guy said it. I think it's got to be Bill Belichick talking about the Pats losing yes. on only field goals to yes. the Broncos. Garbage. Um, what happened? <laughs> I think COVID happened. Okay. That's my main takeaway. Good point, good point. I, I think that this team didn't have a lot of time to prep as a whole team. They didn't the do a Saturday walkthrough. So that's huge. No Saturday yeah. walkthrough. You have Cam Newton who's balling at the start of the year go down to COVID. And obviously, you know, he's feeling okay after it. But right. it's going to take its toll. If you're not taking snaps every weekend in the midst of an NFL season while other teams are still playing, this will happen. So I think COVID happened. I think that this whole idea of COVID is a big, big uh, hindrance to Belichick right now. All he wants to do is go out there, talk football. And literally when you have a screen in front of your face that is preventing you from being so one-on-one with players like he normally Mm -hmm. is and the team around him, I I think it's tough. And, And especially as an older guy struggling with some of the what the new technologies, whether that's Zoom and, and stuff like that. I, I think that this is a very, very tough time for Bill Belichick. Um, and something we kind of saw with Saban potentially being out. That was yeah. the critique as well. Yeah. So I think that the Pats will be fine behind Belichick. I, I think that they will get their wins. The playoffs are a little too far ahead to be discussing right now in terms of the Pats. Yeah. I think that they have enough potential and behind Cam Newton can get there still. I really do. Um, but, yeah, to me, COVID happened. And and this is this is yeah. a loss that really isn't like Belichick or the Pats. No, not one bit. Um, Even when we would see in the past, like, an occasional loss to, like, the Dolphins. Right. It was a good game. Yes. And yeah. stuff wasn't – Like, just Miami wasn't Miracle. Hitting. Like, yeah. nothing was clicking yeah. in those games. And, and you know, they, they the Pats would come back the next week and absolutely D- keep on their Destroy. Yeah. And destroy their next team. This felt different. This just felt like almost a sense of being unprepared, which Belichick's teams never are. Yeah, unless Belichick you can't. was um, even saying in the interview that he felt... Unprepared, not, yeah. Not necessarily unprepared, but moving around and saying like he needs to rewatch like all the film of this game and go sure. back and look at the X's and O's. So, yeah, it's it's preparation, but mainly that because of um, a lack of it due to COVID. No, it totally is due to COVID. I mean, their facilities were shut down. Like, you can't... Yeah. They couldn't game plan for whoever was going to be quarterback of the Broncos. Listen, and all, yes, they, all they have to do is go to a park and play pickup together yeah. with the Titans. Yeah. The Titans got COVID and they're still chilling. They somehow are. But yeah, this happened against the Broncos. That's the one thing that makes me think, sure, they weren't fully prepared for this game, but it was the Denver Broncos. Like, come on. This team is not that good. I think their only other win... This whole season has been against the winless Jets. So, I don't know what it says necessarily about the Patriots going further, but I will cut them some slack. They totally weren't prepared, and it was fully due to COVID. Um, uh, To go back to, uh, pardon my take, as I am a AWL, I'd say, I listened today, Hank was saying he is 100% confident they still make the playoffs. He gave a 0% chance that they don't. And sure, there are seven teams per conference that will make it this year instead of just six. But think about all the AFC teams we just rattled off that will make it, that we think will make it at least. We said both the Ravens and Steelers. We said the Chiefs. We said the Titans. We said the Bills. That's five already. And I'm probably giving the Raiders a slot. And then I guess that seventh is up for grabs. And the, the Colts should be in there probably. I don't know. I don't think the Patriots make the playoffs at all. 
That's my hot take. And I, I want to hear what you think of that. But if you're losing to the Broncos, yes, they were, un- they were unprepared, but they didn't adjust at halftime. That was my big thing is they had a chance to say, look, we just saw them in person in the first half. We don't understand how they're playing. Let's bounce back. Now we see how they play. Now we can adjust. We can hit them at their weaknesses. Excuse me. We can show our strengths. I didn't see that. So that was my takeaway is this isn't the same Patriots team. I think that Cam likes to build up a strong rapport with everyone in his organization, but especially his teammates. And we've seen that this year um, moving to the Pats. So I think that that really affects Cam a lot. Being out of out of practice, out of film rooms for two weeks or whatever it really was. And the connections he establishes then carry over into the game. And when you don't have those moments to check in and, and go over these these things for when the game actually happens, that's going to affect Cam. So I think COVID definitely impacted Belichick and Cam as well. Um, and I don't think anything during halftime can really fix that to me. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, I don't know. It just, that's the part to me at least that felt most unlike Bill Belichick. So that, that was at least my reaction to it. But yeah. Weird game. Uh, Patriots may not be the same, but we'll, we'll, we'll chalk I think it up they to may, COVID. I still think they make the playoffs. All Belichick's right. too good of a uh, football brain. Uh, I say and they Cam don't. Newton is still just as good. So Here's my hot take. Brian Flores and the Dolphins, you know, former Patriots coach in his own right, they're the ones that make the playoffs out of the AFC East. After the Bills, I'm okay. taking Dolphins over Patriots in terms of teams that can make it because the Dolphins have seemingly figured it out. They're like the Giants where it's like, where did that defense come from? And honestly, any kind of backup kicking. situation, I'm cool with rolling with Tua. So yeah. I think Tua's but getting Fitz looks great. Fitz behind looks awesome. Fitz. Yeah. I think Tua might end up being the best. Well, I said this a while back, but I do think that Tua can end up being better than Joe Burrow, especially because of the position he is in. Having a full year behind a veteran guy like Fitzpatrick, even if he's not... And Fitz Some loves coaching him. Like he, you can tell the mentorship's and, there. And Fitz is a coach. He yeah. coaches his kids' football uh, team on his off days. That's or awesome. I love that. I think he's an assistant coach for them. He's just the best guy. So yeah, yeah. like great guy, uh, great instructor and teacher. I think Tua really, really will be good in this league, uh, this bar league. any major injuries because he's had some in the past with his hip. But I think that he can actually be very, very good for a blossoming. Uh, Dolphin squad. I hope so. I really like Tua, and I'm I'm rooting for him. Seeing him sit on the field at the end of the game to FaceTime and his parents. The other thing is the Gusecki hype is building. Well, and, but, but and really I play. Think, but that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I think with Tua, yeah, that's where you're gonna find Ooh. your targets because rookie quarterbacks always go to the tight end, and I think that's a match made in heaven that I am sure has already been going down at practice. I, I agree with that. And Adam Shaheen, who had the two touchdowns this week as backup tight end. We'll also give that to Tua because he's also super young. So I really do like, I mean, Devontae Parker's a beast. I, I just like what the Dolphins have going on. And, and it's really, to me, it comes back to Flores. Do, well, I don't know. This is a bit of a hot take, just me also kind of thinking things. Uh-huh. But Ryan Fitzpatrick, Brian Flores having gone to BC. Whoa. Whoa. Potential... Like future... Future BC... Coach? Like some form of coach. Sure. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying. against like, it. I don't I, know. I think that he's a... He likes to coach, obviously. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. feel like Boston is a place where he'd fit in pretty well. He's a... No, he's not a former Patriot. He's played a ton of games here, though, because he's on the Jets, the Bills, mm-hmm. and the Dolphins. So... 
He's at least accustomed to the area. He went to Harvard, right? He went to Harvard. Yes. So he is... Maybe my theory's not that bad. I actually like this. You know what? Brian Flores will come coach for BC at some point. Whoa. No, no. uh, Fitz. Excuse me. But hopefully Brian Flores, dude. That'd be dope. Yeah. Well, at Uh, that point, we probably wouldn't have Halfley. So (laughs) I'm cool with Halfley and Fitzpatrick doing some stuff. My, I think the most likely one of those is Jared Dudley comes back to coach BC basketball. That needs to happen. Yeah, and, that and it does should. Need to and, it, and I really think it could. So, so rooting for that. I think that concludes our sports talk for today. Yes. Real quick to wrap up here, I just want to go over bachelor recap. I'll keep it short. It was only night one. We had. It was Tuesday night or Monday. It was Monday, or what excuse me, it was Tuesday because right? it was it was Columbus Day. But so this time, like, is it on right now? Or is it Maybe. Tuesdays now? <laughs> yeah, regardless, we watched on Hulu. <laughs> Shout we, out Hulu. We saw it. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> first of all, it, it's it's the the limo reveal night. You know, yeah, yeah. Claire. It's her name's Claire, right? Claire. Yeah. Claire's yeah. waiting outside. Uh, she's seeing all the guys do weird stuff oh, to dude. try and be remembered. The straight jacket guy needed to go. Whoa. That guy the, was bad. The night was kind of cringy, too. The, the bubble was, like, funny, but he didn't really pull it off that well. Yeah. I hate them so much. Like not not the people. I, I just hate those like gimmicks. I think just coming in and being like, just, you don't even have to have a joke. You could just be like, hey, like you look great tonight. Like I'm, I've butterflies. That one always works. Oh, it's like butterflies I'm so nervous always to see you. Works. Like, always works. Whatever. You're throwing uh, a little story about butterflies and yeah. your grandma giving you like a pendant. Yes, that's a yes, butterfly. Yes, does not have to be real. Yeah. You are for <laughs> sure getting it at, at like at most a first impression rose at the least you're moving on. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what Dean that, did. That, that, so that was that's that was what that's what was going on. Um, the, the guy she was picking. What's so I'm getting at that. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. She, sorry, sorry. 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 Basically, <laughs> I think I had multiple memories. I, I forget the guy's years. name. I'm blanking but on it too. I'm blanking on it too. He's just not that memorable. To He's me. not. Um, he almost oh, reminds me Dale, like right? if someone were to play Obama in a biopic, <laughs> that's what this guy would be. Like young Obama, like like college Obama. Yeah, sure. Yeah, but like or even just like early career. Like you could actually yeah. gray his hair a little bit, and yep. you probably could pull it off. I think it's Dale. Without looking it up, I said Dean, but I was thinking. About I think Dean. it is Dale. I think it's Dale. Okay, right? so regardless, I'll look it up. Dale comes in. Claire, early on in the night, was like, I can't wait for that moment to, like, yeah, yeah, realize Dale, Dale, I'm going to meet my husband, um, and I think I'm going to meet him here tonight. Dale comes in, kills the first impression, and she turns around and is like, oh my god, I feel like I just met my husband, which is like, whoa. Yeah. This has happened in the way, way past The Bachelor a couple times, I think, where someone's been so smitten right away. Chris Harrison said show gets carried never... away. But, like, never heard those words on the first night yes, before. Yes, and that's yeah. true. That is not happening in that exact moment. But she was smitten right off the bat. He's a good guy, it seems. We'll see what else will come out. It seems like there may be um, some issues with the rest of the guys. And I kind of understand where that may stem from. She may be so smitten with him, her with or him with her. Right, right, right. And they just spend too much time together. They only want to be with each other. All the other dates don't matter. She's not there collectively for them. She only wants to spend time with him. And right. I think that's what's going to happen. I think she's going to leave with him. And what happens next will be up in the air. Do they replace her? Who knows? But it seems like that's where we're going. I do fully believe she leaves. I think love is too strong on this one. And wow. she's going to dip. She's older. She knows what she wants. This is it. This she is needs her to guy. Know what she wants. Yeah. She knew right off the bat. And sometimes it's like that. And obviously he's into her. Um, and we're going to see where it goes from here. A little disappointing. Um, 
just because there's not that much drama to it, it's basically like, okay... There was no drama, Two dude. people are in love. Well, there was the two other no, guys. but it was so... I think it was That's so... That's the only side story. ...created by the producers, like, more so than usual. Mm-hmm. Where it was like, this one dude's like, no, I'm not here to start drama. Like, I'm always gonna be the one you can go to and, like, tell me whatever the drama is. Like, rant to me. And Claire was like, oh, I love that. That's awesome. And then the same guy goes in and he's like... Listen, I, I saw this other guy like DMing a girl from my area, like a friend of a friend. There's no way. Yeah, like, that there's is no weird. way. And the other thing so is that stupid. like most guys have actually done that. Yeah, it so was if you just say man. that yeah. and you like throw out any yeah. random name, it's like Jessica yeah. from uh, Memorial, yeah. where I grew up. Yeah. Uh, she said that you DM'd her. And, like, this dude is like, well, hell, like, I have DM'd, like, five different Jessica's last week. He said he didn't know. He was like, I don't remember. Yeah. He didn't say he didn't or he did. He addressed it well, though. He was honest. As far as I could tell, the guy... I mean, because then Blake did something similar on Bachelor in Paradise where he yeah. had hit up, like, every single Bachelor that contestant. Was, that was different because then you could tell. Yeah, you, there's rough. evidence That's there. rough on Blake. Yeah. But in, in terms of this situation, that was definitely fabricated. It was, uh... Oh, it was Yosef, right? Yeah, yo. I, yo, yeah, yeah, yo. So, yeah. I don't even... He seems a little sus anyway. Yeah. But he's the one that was accused. And maybe that's what the guy was thinking. He was like, this guy seems a little suspicious. I'm going to out him. Which was like crazy, like trying to be like Mike Vrabel-like maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but it didn't work this time. But yeah, uh, so that's kind of where everything was left. Yeah. Um, it implies that... Claire is going to fall madly in love with Dale, and I think that's going to happen. Who they replace her with, we'll get to at some point. I'm that's sure the we drama. will have takes. That is the drama. That's the... When that breaks down, hopefully yeah. it's sooner rather than later. Hopefully, the yeah. other thing is there's potentially going to be some other guys that had claimed strong feelings for Claire. Right. And then immediately go to this second girl that they bring in. And then the other guys are going to start drama about that and be like, yeah, I never yeah. liked Claire. I never got time for her. Or the I'm other all around. in on yeah. you. And then they're going to be like, he was literally just kissing her a right, week ago. Right. So that's where the drama is going to come from, I think, this year. It's fun and exciting to look forward to. It's but different. Now, it's really it's different. different. And yeah. I like, thank God. Because we were just getting screwed by back and forth of... I choose this person, but I actually love this yeah, other person. Yeah. So let's wait to the finale, and then I'll break up with this person just to get try and True. get back with the other person. True. And then ultimately, if you're Colton, break up after getting COVID. Yeah. Uh, sorry for Rough. Colton. He just can't yeah. win. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that pretty much. No longer virgin though. So that's all good we can. for him. <laughs> um, way to go, Colton. But wh- I guess what I'd say to sum it up is like it wasn't the most eventful first episode, but like it sets up for like Colton's version of jumping the fence. Like this year's version is who does. Who's Claire replaced by? How does Claire leaving go down? Because it, it's all but told that it's gonna happen, but there's so many questions surrounding it. And this was this so was the, the equivalent of last year's uh, pilot Pete with uh, the mom. The mom. No, no, no. Uh, before that, what's uh, her name leaving though? The other chick. The did Madison leave? No. Yes, Madison yeah. left because he had slept with the other girls. Yo, or it was just like it was implied that she would leave, yeah. and she basically she did. did. No, she left. Yeah, yeah. She left. Yeah. Yeah. So. This is way bigger than any of those other uh, <laughs> don't, cliffhangers. Don't let her go. Don't, that's, oh, that's, that's what that's it was. What was it was the yeah. don't let her go, and that then it was the fence. Me, dude. Yeah. yeah. So oh, this season geez. has way more implications for the rest of the season. Yeah. So it's fun. It's yeah. going to be a big buildup, and I like it a lot this year. It doesn't feel as fabricated. Because the cliffhangers in the middle. Like, like Colton jumping the fence was kind of in the middle, but towards the end. Well, they made it seem like it would happen every week. Yeah. And they, they yeah. even made a meme of it themselves by yeah. being like, is yeah, next yeah. week the week? Colton yeah. jumps the fence. Jumps the fe- you have to find out. But yeah, yeah I, I just like 
weirdly, because I didn't at first, but now thinking of it and like how this cliffhanger is going to play out, I'm more excited for this, I think, than past seasons. Me too. And it's in COVID and like... We can relate to that, but also we get the entertainment that we didn't get all summer. Yeah, like, like, yeah it's, I like there's it. a build I'm up, all so, in. Yeah. I think Bachelorette's going to be a ton of fun this year. Uh, we haven't really talked Bachelor at all on here in a while, but Bachelor yeah. hasn't been announced. I forget his name, but it's Tyler Cameron's friend. Yeah, um, who was supposed to be on this cast yes. and then got out, like, so, outcasted, literally. First <laughs> African-American Bachelor, I think, too? I hope so. So that's yeah. awesome. I was rooting for Mike to be the first one. We had uh, a first but... African-American Bachelor before the first African-American James Bond that we've been <laughs> being told about. Yeah, huh. wild. So that'll be awesome. Super cool stuff going to happen. And yeah. more... Fun stuff to come on the show. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And uh, definitely more Bachelor talk because that was awesome. I haven't talked Bachelor. That was so fun. Long. Yeah, yeah. I, I, th- I thought this episode was gonna end earlier, but I'm happy we let it run because that was actually like a very exciting conversation to recap that. But uh, yeah, we have some interviews coming up for you guys. We have some more normal episodes. We have a lot more football talk, of course, because that's the big thing now that everything else is either done or wrapping up. But yeah, just a lot of content for you guys, and we're really excited to bring it to you. But that does it for tonight, (laughs) wrapping this recording up at 11.23 p.m. on a Monday night. We both have long Tuesdays coming up, but it's always fun to sit down and do this show. So thank you guys once again, especially if you made it through this whole way. Um, And as always, you know, love you guys, and we'll see you next week. Love you guys. See you. Peace out.